Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast. Welcome to the Maluli Asset Management Podcast. This is episode number 263. Thanks for tuning in. This is Tom Maluli, one of your co-hosts. Joining me this week is Tim Maluli. And Tim, we I think if we were to put a headline on this, I would probably say if you're going to listen to one podcast this year, this is probably it. Yeah, this topic relates directly to people who work with advisors, anyone who has worked with a a broker or invested money with a a professional. We're going to be talking about the new regulation working its way through Washington. Uh, It's called Regulation Best Interest. We'll abbreviate it with Reg BI because that's what it's being referred to online. The Department of Labor actually proposed a fiduciary standard of care several years ago. This was actually rejected. It was approved, but then rejected by the Trump administration. White House had shot it down. And at the time, we had heard, that's okay, because the SEC is working on their own form of fiduciary rule. And they actually floated this in April of 2018. So it's taken a full year, six, when they opened it up for comments, uh, which they always do. Right. Uh, they received over 6,000 responses. Right. There was an article from Barry Ritholtz titled, The SEC's New Best Interest Rule is Far from Best for Investors. And he started out by talking about how currently, before this Reg BI would go into effect, there are currently two different standards of care that advisors and brokers need to abide by. Registered investment advisors, which is what we are here at Maluli Asset Management, we need to, must meet the fiduciary standard, whereas brokers need to abide by what is called the suitability standard. If you want to be interested in growth, you can invest in a low-cost index fund, which may be appropriate and suitable for you. On the flip side, and I'm being, this is an extreme example, but if a client were working with a broker who were in, and told them that they were interested in growth, they could actually talk them into or suggest buying Bitcoin, which is very speculative. And he would be protected, that broker would be protected because he's not a fiduciary. He recommended something that is merely suitable at the time of the investment. I think what a lot of people lose sight of is that an advisor, as part of their fiduciary care, monitoring of their investments is ongoing. They have an ongoing relationship to oversee these accounts. With the broker, it's merely at the time of the transaction. At the time, fill in the blank, looked like a suitable investment. The fiduciary rule from the Department of Labor was shot down. Some individual states started imposing their own fiduciary rules. I think New Jersey is one of them. There's a there's a list in the article that Barry wrote for these states. And these brokers who got the fiduciary rule shot down on a federal level are now doing the same thing on the state level. They don't want to be held to the same standard that fiduciaries and investment advisors have to. 
where this regulation best interest gets kind of sketchy is that it uses the term best interest, which is part of the definition of what a fiduciary needs to do. So it's using part of the terminology that a fiduciary acts under, but it's not it's not coming with the same strings attached that a fiduciary needs to adhere to. So now brokers and everyone else who aren't fiduciaries can say, well, I'm acting under your best interest, which is part of what the fiduciary would say. This is it's a- you know it's yeah. it's the way Barry put it in the article, and I agree, it's it's almost a marketing name. It's a it's like a branding branding term. I am not going to be surprised if next year we see brokerage firms advertising saying we have to act in your best interest. The government mandates that, and it's not the case. I mean, they technically the rule would be called regulation best interests, but it's not the same best interests that fiduciaries act under. I'm confusing myself talking about it now. Individuals, investors are supposed to be able to identify more clearly which advisors and which brokers are actually working for them and not working for their own pockets. Like it just blurs the lines even more than it already was. And I think that's part of the premise behind this is that by blurring the distinction saying, hey, it's no longer advisors who have to work in your best interest. Our brokers here also have to work in your best interest. Well, where the hell were you? for the last 70 years as you were ripping off the public. Okay, now look, in the 50s, 60s, and even up until 1975, commissions were fixed. If you wanna buy stock, here's the commission schedule. I mean, when I got started in the business, people asked me, send me your commission schedule. Hey, do we have a commission schedule? Like, Mm. I didn't even know what that was. Right. And that was the 1980s. It wasn't really until the last 20 years when people started realizing the costs that are built into these products that people are buying. I'll bring this right down to street level. Case after case after case after case comes in, new potential client, opens up their books, shows us what they have as their investments right here at the conference table. And what do we see? Fat mutual funds with big sales charges. Annuity, 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 annuity. What we show clients and potential clients is, look, you can achieve the same returns or possibly better with lower cost investments where more of your money goes to work. We're just doing our job, exercising our fiduciary care. So look, Mr. Jones, here's an ETF that charges 25 basis points a year to manage this portfolio of stocks, or we could put it in an annuity where you're going to pay 2.7% per year. Are you kidding? Right. Are you kidding? And, you know, when you think about these brokerage firms, yes, they have retail brokers. You know, Merrill Lynch and Morgan Stanley have gigantic sales forces. But when you look at the revenue that the sales force actually generates in comparison what the total revenue line is for Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, remember, they're a part of Bank of America, or Morgan Stanley, with all the investment banking, all the the deals that they do, it's a fraction. It's a fraction of what they have. You know, when I started this business, I, I used to sit down with folks and tell them, you can't serve two masters. So look, I'm either gonna work for a brokerage firm, they've got their quarterly revenue and earnings that they've gotta reach, I've got sales quotas that I've gotta reach or I'm gonna get replaced, Right. okay? I've got quotas that I've gotta work on, or I can work for you. And that's an important, I think, distinction to make too. It's it's the, the structure of these big wirehouses and the big brokerage firms that is the problem. 
the people working there, they're just abiding by the rules. They have to keep and they're the, good people. Right, exactly. There's that's the good point. Brokers that are out. That's there. the point that I'm trying to make. It's not necessarily the brokers individuals faults for doing this they're just they're trying to make a living they're trying to get paid it's the incentive structure that is all out of whack fortunately though i mean barry pointed out in the article that even though the fiduciary rule got shot down you know there's still a blurry line between a fiduciary and who's actually working in your best interests over the last couple of years they've seen billions of dollars flowing out of these expensive active brokerage type accounts and into more low cost indexed investing. So it seems like the public is has kind of started to at least wake up to the fact that fiduciaries are better for them. Cost matter. There are better options out there. If you want to have someone oversee your investments, you should be working with an advisor. Now we're going to also have a distinction because brokers Part of this, one thing that, that did come out of this, that, that it really is very good, is that brokers can't use the term advisor anymore. So we'll finally get a little bit of clarity on this. Yeah. I'm an employee of blank brokerage firm. Right. Yeah, it's it's good because there are so many different titles out there that it kind of, in, in that sense, clears things up a little bit for them. One that's, of the That's done intentionally. Right, yeah. You know? There's a lot of intentional deception that has been happening. Things Things get cleared up. So one of the things that came out of this Reg BI was that firms must have written policies in place to eliminate some sales contests. Not all sales contests, some <laughs> sales contests, yeah. such as those that promote particular securities. But they can, they can provide financial incentives for things like total products sold or the sale of proprietary products. What the hell? Uh, How you... is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. So now it's going to be land grab. Hey, Mr. Jones, I know that we have your IRAs, but we want you to move your investment account, your checking account, your uh, 529s, your Roths, your uh, custodial accounts for your kids, and we want your whole family to move everything over. Why? Because I'm now going to get paid on the assets that I bring into whatever brokerage firm. Right. The assets, not necessarily the products that I put you in. Right. Is that better? They also created this form called a uh, Form CRS, which stands for Client Relationship Summary. Kind of sounds like what we give our clients when we get started with them anyway. So it has to be given by bro both brokers and advisors at the start of a client relationship that explains the services they offer, the fees that they're going to pay, and conflicts among you know other things right we do all of that yeah we give them a form adv it's got our fee schedule in it for crying out loud our fee schedules on our website right yeah there's just brokers are now required to disclose more information to their clients which ultimately sounds like a good thing but it kind of in a sense covers covers them because now the clients can't come back to them and say well, you never disclosed this. It's like, well, yes, I did. It was on page 473 of your 500-page client agreement. Yeah. It's like I talked with Dina Isola from Ritholtz Wealth Management about this on a Living With Money episode, and the fact that they're required to disclose it is great, but like, it's not going to really help anybody because no one reads no any one of reads those it. things. And even if you do read it, it's so packed with legal and financial jargon mumbo jumbo like we barely understand what's in there let alone the individual like it's written by financial lawyers 
I always ask people, when you update your computer, the computer's rebooting, and you get this page with a little teeny tiny print that scrolls on for a mile and a half, and most people just go right to the button that says, I agree. I accept. Next. Yeah. Right. You don't even read it. Yeah. You don't even know what's going on. Yeah. It's funny that language in the final rule that the SEC passed said that firms are not expected to disclose every material conflict of interest and should instead consider what would be most relevant for retail investors. So now, so they get to pick what's most relevant yeah, well, for that's them. Not relevant. Oh, I just didn't think that was relevant. Dina was also talking about how when she testified in front of the U.S. House of, of it, House. yeah, yep, their financial committee. One of the congressmen kept talking about how giving more choices and more options to the investor is a good thing. On the surface, you you hear that and you're like, yeah, I want I want options, yeah. you know. But this is America. But right, exactly. Dina was saying that's almost the opposite of what you want to do. You want to give people fewer options but better options just giving them more options but more crappy options is makes it more difficult to pick the right one if it's a blurry difference now they're making it more difficult to determine who's a fiduciary who isn't a fiduciary who who's working in my best interest well technically everyone now is working in your best interest so you need to ask even more questions on top of that they're leveling the playing field no they're not you just have to ask more questions now, and how are people going to know to ask these questions? They're just going to – more choices doesn't equal better choices. It, right. it equals more confusion, more confusion and more potential for the wrong choice. It's a real problem. I, you know, the SEC had a great opportunity here to make it the law of the land that anyone in the investment business should exercise fiduciary care. It's hilarious. Uh, there was an article that I found, we'll link to it in the uh, show notes, that uh, one of the SEC commissioners who voted for this, her name is Hester Pierce, basically talked about how applying this Reg BI might actually make more brokers leave. And I just kind of scratched my head. What? Yeah, how they said that. And she said, you know what? Broker dealers look over the fence to the advisor world where we sit with its principles-based fiduciary standard, less frequent exams, predictable revenue streams, having engaged in this comparative exercise, many firms and individual financial professionals will just say, forget about FINRA, I'm going on the fiduciary bandwagon and I'm not looking back. And Reg BI could exacerbate this. After reading the, the headline, I was like, what is she talking about? Yeah. But I mean, I guess I, I agree. Uh, and I hope that that's the case. More people will just willingly say, you know what, the fiduciary way is is better. But if you're making it easier for them not to do that, then couldn't you also argue that more people would want to stay on that side? It's like they're making my job easier. Hey, correct me if I'm wrong, okay, on this, but I think part of this whole Reg BI package that was passed by the SEC included the ability to add annuities to 401ks. Right. This was in the same package. Yeah. Barry kind of wrapped up his article by saying that it's it's less about investor protection than it is about protecting the industry's profits. And I I have to agree with that. I mean, you can't I don't think there's a good argument saying that this is in the in the quote unquote best interests of the investors. I'm going to sound like a six-year-old kid, 
when I say when I use the word wish. Yeah. But I wish before clients said yes to investing in crappy, crappy products like annuities or some of these structured note products that they ask a couple of questions. Yeah. Like, what's the annual cost of this investment? I think that's a good question to ask because yeah. you can't predict what an investment's going to return. So asking what, what am, what's my return going to be, that's... Let me get my crystal ball out. Yeah, there's no way of knowing that. But asking how much is this going to cost per year, I think is a very good question for individuals to ask before you go into something. Yeah. The other question, which I have believed since the 80s, is it's the old Roach Motel idea. How do we get out of this? Yeah. Okay. So we get into this investment. How do we get out? Yeah. Don't die with an annuity on your hands. Yeah. It's like one of the worst (laughs) things that could ever happen. Yeah. Um, you know, how do we get out of a structured note? How do we get out of some of these products? So I think it's kind of fruitless to ask how much a broker is getting paid. He's getting paid. Right. He's getting paid. Yeah. You know, we're recording this on June 25th. This morning, there was an article that came out. Maxine Waters from California uh, has essentially blocked Regulation BI for the time being. Her, she submitted an amendment that went through that says the language wasn't specific, but the the SEC can't use its funds to enforce Reg BI. Right. So now the whole regulation has to go back to the House for a new vote, which the article said could be as early as Tuesday. So it could be a very quick delay. For now, it seems like it's it's been blocked. Uh, she's been very vocal, kind of echoing the points that we've talked about and what Barry had said in his article, highlighting all of the negatives about this regulation. So the one thing that that crossed my mind, and this might not be the the right line of thinking, but if for some reason they go back and vote on this in the House and then it passes, then we would have regulation BI, best interest, and the SEC would have no money to enforce it. Is that how is that a good thing? <laughs> so that means that at some future Congress, yeah, you know, the next wave after the election, we have a new Congress comes in. They de- they decide we're going to fund this thing, and then it's on. Right. Um, so up until that point, they brokers and advisors wouldn't have to operate under Regulation BI. It's a good question. I mean, they right? Should because do it then anyway. it right because. If it's, you know, it seems like a win, I think, in my mind for the brokers. So they can start operating and saying, I'm working in your best interest under Regulation BI. And whether they're doing that or not, the SEC can't enforce it. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, I understand where the amendment is coming from. I hope it, that it's just, just to kind of put up a roadblock for the time being and give people more time to think like, hey, this probably isn't a good idea. Hopefully there are more changes along the way. But, you know, it it seems like it'll probably end up passing again anyway. It's very confusing, and that's a sad commentary because the Department of Labor came out with their set of regulations, and when they started getting into the nitty-gritty, the details, people got lost in the weeds. Yeah. Well, if we can do this, why can't we do that? That got shot down. Then the SEC cooked up their own version of it, which we disagree with. Some people agree with. The states are now coming up with their own issue of this. I heard the Department of Labor is now talking about resurrecting this thing. 
for God's sakes, people, there are, there are people out there who want to take advantage of investors who don't know any better. Right. Ask questions. It's okay to say, let me get back to you and call someone yeah. and find out before you buy something Yeah. or before you sign on the dotted line. I mean, just be careful about this because not everybody has your best interests in mind. Right. The most telling thing for me is that the question, like, why is it so difficult to get a law or a bill passed to work in people's best interest, to put clients' best interests ahead of their own? Why maybe, is that so hard? Like, think about the answer to that question. Yeah, maybe it's... Who's fighting this? Right. And why? To me, I think the one question, if you're interviewing a new investment professional, is are you a fiduciary? And we talked about this, I talked about this again with Dina, and she said, it's a yes or no question. It is. She said one client came back and said, I asked my current advisor if they were a fiduciary, they sent me this three-page response, and she was like, that's a no. Because if they are a fiduciary, they're going to want to scream it at you from the rooftops. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's not, yes, I'm a fiduciary, hell yes. Right. It's hell yes. Yeah. Of course I am. If you ask them one question, that's the question that I would the ask. That is question. Yep. Yeah. All right, way to wrap up episode 263. Tim, thanks for uh, chiming in with your comments on this very important uh, and confusing bit of uh, news. Yeah, of course. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch up with you on the next episode.